Hello, this is Dan Trito of The Dan Trito Show, and I want to welcome you to my podcast today. Uh, This episode is going to uh, discuss an interesting topic that I think you're going to find uh, powerful and could really help you to open up your eyes to um, a way that can help you become more self-aware and can help you to really begin to change the very essence of your life, which is your thinking. So I'm entitling today's podcast, Thinking About What You're Thinking About. (laughs) I know that sounds like a a humorous uh, and almost uh, contradictory title, but it's, it's such a powerful skill to begin to practice. I started working on this uh, skill about a year ago, and I kind of knew about it for a, wh- a while because I've always been into self-development and personal development. I'm always interested in trying to improve myself, make myself a better person. And I came up across a, a lot of writings, and some of them were spiritual writings, writings that were coming from you know the religious uh, side of life, and others, much of it uh, coming from the personal development side of life. But they all talk about, in different ways, uh, becoming self-aware. And what does that really mean to become self-aware? Well, for me, and my discoveries and along my path, I've discovered that self-awareness is really becoming aware of your own thinking. It's becoming aware of your own thoughts. I've discovered, and I think this is true, that human beings are the only creatures on the planet that can actually think about what they're thinking about. Did you ever think about that? (laughs) We have the ability actually to think about what we've been thinking about. And this is, I believe, one of the most powerful skill sets to practice. Uh, And it's so difficult to start because for most of us, including myself, you just think without really much self-awareness. We're in habits of thinking certain types of thoughts that then produce certain types of feelings. And then from the feelings, really that affects our entire day, our entire life. We're so affected by the predominant moods that we're in, the predominant emotions. But most of us don't realize, and I didn't either until, you know, over the last year or so, that your feelings are not just something that's happening uh, accidentally. Our feelings and our emotions, which is really how we experience life, is actually flowing out of our thoughts. So, for example, just like an apple tree will always produce apples and a peach tree will always produce peach, peaches, right? As long as those trees are healthy, uh, you know, an apple tree will never produce peaches and a peach tree will never produce apples, right? They produce according to their kind. In the same way, our thoughts produce according to their kind. So, for example, a person that is generally a happy person thinks happy thoughts because their happiness, the emotion of happiness, the experiencing of happiness in their lives is actually coming not from so much from their circumstances, but are coming from the thoughts that they're thinking. So, if you're feeling depressed, you're probably 
most likely thinking depressive thoughts. And if you're feeling depressed, you know, large portions of your time in your life, you've probably gotten into a habit of thinking depressive thoughts. Oftentimes that has to do with, you know, what has gone wrong in your life and the things that have taken a turn for the worst and a lot of thinking about past events and how they didn't work out and what people have done to us, you know, and all that kind of junk, right, produces the depressive emotions and the, you know, emotions of melancholy and uh, despondency. Those kinds of negative emotions are flowing out of negative thinking. Now, whenever I talk about this subject, I know that there is a certain segment of people that truly suffer from mental illnesses. I actually work in the mental illness industry and I've come to see it firsthand. Uh, and there's a, a cross section of people, for example, that I work with that definitely are diagnosed with mental illnesses and some of them, a, a portion of them actually have it. I know that there are uh, physiological and chemical imbalances and just things that have happened to certain people in their, their brain chemistry that causes you know, mental illness. It causes things like de um, chronic depression and psychosis and schizophrenia and you know those kinds of problems and i realize that but for the general population this is <clears throat> for most of us we really do not have a clinical problem with depression for most of our problems our emotional problems they are a problem as uh as one gentleman said uh stinking thinking we're really uh, a result of some very bad thinking habits that we've gotten into throughout our life. We're, however we came upon it, if we learned it from in our upbringing, from our parents, from the people around us, from too much negative input from the news, you know, and the television, and people that we've you know, spent a lot of time with, there's a lot of places that we can develop bad habits of thinking. But the point here is, is that we can take responsibility and we have the power to actually become self-aware and be, realize what kind of thinking and the quality of thinking that we're participating in. And we have the ability to start to change it. Now, I know it's not, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But the first steps is to begin to ask questions about what is it that I have been thinking about? And I'm going to give you that one tool to help you to, be, to start down the journey of self-awareness, grabbing hold of the thoughts that you have been thinking, that have been creating the emotions that you're living in, and in turn, then create your actions, your behaviors, and you know, your, your uh, path that you're on in life. You can change that. You have the ability to change that. And it starts with self-awareness. So the question that I have gotten into a habit of asking myself, and I like to start my day in the morning with this, is what have I been thinking about over the last 24 hours? What's, what has been the predominant thoughts over the last day? What was I thinking about yesterday when I did this or said that? What was my response to that person? 
and what was my overall mentality? What have I been thinking? Again, we're human beings are the only creatures that have the ability to do this. We have self-awareness. We can think about our predominant thoughts. And when you think about them and you become aware of them, now you have the ability to actually say, you know what, that wasn't really a good pattern of thought. That really wasn't a good mentality. I need to start changing that. And that, my friends, is the very essence of personal change, personal development. So I'm going to be talking a lot about this in upcoming podcasts because it's, it's quite frankly, so fascinating to me. And more than just fascinating, it's becoming the very essence of my growth and my personal development. I know it has for many others who have actually taken personal responsibility for their lives and, and changed it. And I want to just say that we can change it despite our circumstances, despite the conditions of our lives that are happening right now, whether it's relationship challenges, health challenges, challenges with our personal finances and our, and our money, whatever the situation is, whatever the challenges, whatever the setbacks that we've experienced, we have the ability to take personal responsibility over our own thought life, change the way we think, and begin to change our lives. And to me, that's very exciting. You have the ability to change your life, and so do I. So I'm going to wrap this up right here, and I'm really excited about talking in future podcasts about different aspects of this amazing power that we have in our lives to become self-aware of how we actually think, how our emotions are falling out of that thinking, and how those emotions are affecting our behaviors and our actions and the choices that we take in life, which then produce the results that we're experiencing in our lives. How exciting is this? And I hope this is uh, a subject of encouragement for you to know that you have the ability and the power to begin to change your life by changing the way you think. Let me know in the comments about your reaction to this and what your thoughts are in your journey. And I'll talk more about this in upcoming podcasts. And I'm excited for this. It's a great, great topic. All right, you guys have a fantastic day today, wherever you are in the world. I hope you're making, I hope you're making it a terrific day. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Dan Trito of the Dan Trito Show, and I want to welcome you to my podcast today, wherever you might be in the world. I hope that your day is going well and that you're making the best of the time that you have on this earth. I want to talk about a subject today that is near and dear to my heart, and so I'm entitling this episode, Moving Beyond the pains of your past, moving beyond the pains of your past. And I know this is an important topic for many people, people that will be listening to this now and in the future, because our past can have such 
powerful influence over our lives today and into our future. And it's not so much what happened to you in your past. It's more about how you process what happened to you. It's more about how you actually think about what happened to you that really counts in your life today. And I want to start off with just kind of peeling my heart back a little bit and kind of sharing um, a little bit about my life in a, in a couple of different areas. One is that about three years ago, um, I went through, at least for me, it was a devastating divorce. And I lost my wife and my family. I lost my home. I lost the place where I love to live. I had to move out of the state to move across the country. And then as part of that, I lost um, really just about all of my financial backing and um, through, through the divorce and also uh, through my own mistakes, I lost just about all of my savings and my retirement. So I was literally put back to square number one. And this just didn't happen like um, when I was younger. It just happened three years ago. Um, and I'm 60 years old at the time of this recording. So it was quite an emotional impact for me and a financial impact. And it's really taken the past three years to come to a place where I'm only now like really feel like I'm recovering from that event and that setback that I experienced in my life. For the first two years after uh, my divorce, I was literally in a cycle of um, depression at worst and despondency at best. <laughs> so, and it was very difficult. There were so many nights and so many mornings I would wake up literally with tears in my eyes and really couldn't think of much of anything else. Um, I would ruminate over what had happened and I would think about the mistakes that I made and what I could have done differently and what I shouldn't have done and what I should have done. And, and then I would get into that horrible cycle of asking these questions in my head like, why did this happen to me? Why do these things always go wrong in my life? And on and on and on. And those are just horrible thought patterns that bring nothing but destructive emotions. And that's really the way I lived for the last two years of my life. And in the midst of those two years after my divorce, I also lost my mother, um, which just compounded um, everything. And so I'm not here to say that, you know, my struggles are any worse than anyone else's. I know that we all go through struggles and there are some people that are going through or have gone, gone through much worse than what I'm describing. But really, it doesn't matter. It's really just relative to you. It's whatever you're going through and whatever has happened to you in your past that matters. And so I wanted to just talk about how important it is if you're struggling with your past and what's happened to you is acting as a, a drag on your life, like an anchor that's just keeping you down and keeping you from moving forward in your life. That I'm here to encourage you that you cannot lose hope. Hope is the most important ingredient in life, especially in relation to 
going through tragic events or just um, loss or disappointment and extreme setbacks, you have to maintain hope. Even in the midst, midst of your grieving and the midst of depression and despondency and just negative emotions, destructive emotions, you have to keep hope alive in your mind. And the best definition that I've ever come across for hope, and I always keep this in the center of my heart, is that hope is nothing more than a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation that things will eventually turn around and become better. That's what hope is. And you cannot lose hope because if you lose hope, then you lose the very essence of what it takes to get through a difficult time in your life and to heal and move forward. Hope is that one ingredient that you just cannot lose. And I know that a lot of people in this day and age are committing suicide. I think the suicide rates are quite high or they may even be increasing. And a lot of the suicides are happening at a young age, which is really disturbing. And I think in every situation where somebody commits suicide, there's no question that they lost hope. You know, there may be other emotional things that are going on, but a loss of hope is probably very common in all of people who commit suicide. So I'm speaking to people that, of course, will never do that, will never bring themselves to that. But I mean, if this podcast comes across someone who is actually considering it as an option, I'm here to say, don't do it. You, you have to maintain hope. You have to have a confident expectation that no matter what's going on or how bad it feels, it will turn around if you hang in there long enough. Hope is like oxygen. We can't live without it. We have to expect that things will turn around. And so in this podcast, I just want to give you like a couple of mind or thought provoking challenges that has helped me to get through my divorce and my losses over the last three years. Certainly hope is one of them and you must retain it. Here is another truth that someone taught me and it's something that you have to believe. And I wanna introduce this into your mind so that you could practice believing this too. And here it is. It's that everything that happened to me in the past has actually happened for me, for my good. Everything that's happened in the past, no matter how bad it seems, and it may be very bad, it actually happened for you. Now, if you're going through a struggle right now, if you're struggling with your past, that's a difficult truth to receive and to actually start believing. But I would say write that down and consider it. Everything that has happened to me has happened for me. And that one thought, if you can start believing that thought, because your beliefs are really what causes all of your responses and your actions in life. What you believe is so critical. And you have to believe the truth. If you believe lies, you're in trouble. 
the truth is, is that everything has happened for you and not just to you. And that includes loss, that includes disappointment, that includes everything that you feel like was important in your life has gone away and turned for the worse. Why would something happen that's so bad? Why would that be for you and not against you? Well, I'll tell you why. This is at least my view, and this is a third reason why you have to keep hope. It's because somebody else in the world will be going through exactly the same thing you went through or something very similar. And you'll be the one who will be placed in their path that can help them. That's the reason bad things happen to us. It's so that we can learn and we can grow and we can become stronger and we can learn how to overcome so that we can turn around and help another human being who's going through something very much the same as what you went through. That's the reason we're here. Can you imagine people that are considering suicide? If they could just turn their thoughts around and their beliefs around into knowing that what happened to them and what those people did to them actually happened for them, for their own strength, for their own growth, and for their own empowerment so that they can turn around then and help someone else. I think that a lot of people, a lot less people, would actually commit suicide. So I want you to receive this and write these things down because this can really help you. I kept this in my heart that everything that happened to me in my divorce and all of that was actually for me. And at some point in the future, I would be able to help somebody else with what I went through. And that's the reason for challenges. It's the reason for difficulties. It's actually the reason we're here. And that's to give help and assistance and value and encouragement to other people. And we just keep that chain going where we are serving our fellow human beings. And finally, one last tidbit. If you're struggling with your past, and you've heard this before, Sometimes it doesn't help when you hear it again, at least not in the moment, but it will. You've got to believe that time eventually heals all things. I don't know how long it will take, but time really does heal. It doesn't make you forget what happens. It doesn't make you forget what happened to you, but it will soften and eventually erase the negative responses and that you're having because of your past. Time truly does heal all things. For me, it took two full years to get back on my feet. And another year, now three years, to where I feel like I'm, I'm beginning to come out of it and that I actually believe I'm going to be a better person, that I am a better person, that I am stronger, that I do have more wisdom, and that I can help people now who have gone through something similar to what I have. Time really does heal all things. So a couple of last tidbits to help you along. I think that if you can begin setting goals again, and maybe you're, you're not you know, 
to that point yet. Maybe it's you're just not ready because it's too fresh, you know, in your mind. The struggles are still there and they're they're so difficult that it's hard to set goals. But at some point, you and I really need to start looking forward again more than we look backwards. That's one of the keys. The key is to start living more with gratitude in what you have now and a hope toward what you're going to work toward in the future. And that's why I say setting goals again and trying to get your life moving forward is one of the antidotes to living in the past. So I hope with all my heart that this podcast has helped someone who is struggling with the difficulty and the weight and the drag that your past is holding on you. You must retain hope. You must start thinking that everything that has happened to you is for a reason and that it's actually happening for you and not something that's happening against you. And why? Why do these things happen for you? Because you're going to help someone else in the future. And that should give you a great hope that whether you believe in God or not, he has you here for a reason. And that reason ultimately is to lift up somebody else, to help somebody else through a rough patch that they're going through in their life. We're really here to be at service to our fellow humans in love. So I guess I'll end this podcast right now. And I hope this really challenges you. I want you to heal. And I want you to get through this rough patch. And I want you to know that there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you will come out of it. You've just got to stay in there and know that it's all happened for a reason. This is Dan Trito of the Dan Trito Show. And I hope to speak to you again on a future podcast wherever you are in the world. I hope that you're living in a confident expectation that things will get better. And I will talk to you and hopefully hear you again on an upcoming podcast. Thank you very much and take care. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Dan Trito of the Dan Trito Show, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast. And today I'm going to entitle this podcast, How Do You Get Started When You Don't Feel Like Doing Anything? (laughs) Well, this is unfortunately a habit that I have had for a long time, all of my life really, and especially at this point in my life where I'm starting to Uh, move into like more entrepreneurial pursuits. And my interest now is in starting a business, mostly over the internet, um, sharing information and building products, you know, based on informational type um, material and content. And uh, so, you know, when when you're building a business, it really doesn't matter what type of business it is, whether it's offline, a more traditional type business, Uh, maybe like what some people call a brick-and-mortar type business, or something that is online, 
um, and is based more on marketing products and services using the power of the internet. It doesn't really matter. Either way, there is a huge obstacle to overcome, and that obstacle is yourself. <laughs> In my case, it's myself. And there are many times that I have time to work on my business. I have scheduled time to work on my business, but there is resistance inside of me. And it's almost all pervasive. <laughs> it happens like all the time where I usually don't just like walk into the zone, you know, where I'm completely focused for a block of time and can get a lot done. Most of the time for me, I have a lot of resistance to starting work. And that's really the biggest and most difficult challenge that I have is just getting started. The times when I do get started, usually then I get gather some momentum and uh, I can usually stay focused for a good uh, block of time and get work done. But how often do I not feel like working, not feel like getting into it, and then I know I have to, but I blow it off. And when I blow it off and I keep procrastinating and finding other things to distract myself, whether it's, well, I think it's time to wash the dishes or it's time to take a shower, or it's time to make myself a cup of coffee, or maybe I'll just blow off making a cup of coffee and head out to my favorite coffee shop. And sometimes I lie to myself too. I, I say to myself that, well, if I go to the coffee shop or maybe go down to the lake, I'll do some work over there. I'll bring my laptop, I'll bring my equipment, and I'll do work over there. But I'm telling you, nine times out of the 10, I don't do any work usually when I, you know, go off and I just allow myself to be distracted. So I'm really trying to discover the secret of getting started. And so here is the only thing that I have come up with at this point. And I actually belong to a Facebook group that um, a lot of like-minded people, and I've actually posted a Facebook live asking Everyone who has figured this out for themselves, or at least are getting better at it, I ask them the question, how do you get started when you don't feel like working? How do you get yourself in motion? How do you get yourself motivated, you know, to, to at least get some work done, even though you don't feel like it? And I'm waiting <laughs> for answers to come back in anticipation. In fact, in the Facebook Live, I even uh, showed everyone that I had a notebook at the ready, in my hand, waiting to take notes on anything of value that people can, um, can offer. And so I'm going to share with you like one trick, one tip, one piece of advice that I've learned and that I'm practicing. And I hope that, you know, you have something to offer to this and that you can add to this conversation. But here's the tip that I have read, and I, I think it's backed by quite a bit of study, uh, that the secret of getting started is to break your tasks down into small chunks and then get started on the very first one. Now, I've heard that said before. In fact, there's even a, a very famous quote by Mark Twain. I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. But it was something along those lines. And, you know, you have to break your tasks down into manageable chunks and then kind of maybe prioritize them 
and kind of list them out from top priority down to lowest priority and then kind of start on the very first one. Or maybe there might be some tasks that you can uh, legitimately put off to, for a future time. And there may be other tasks that you can actually um, delegate to someone else, whether it's a, an employee or uh, a coworker or maybe a, a virtual assistant, um, something like that. Maybe you hire somebody on Fiverr uh, or one of those type sites and, and you just kind of delegate those tasks off. But, you know, there's always something that you have to do yourself. And so breaking it down into manageable chunks and then starting on that very first one is the key. But there's something else I want to add to it, and this is backed up by research. I think we're very confused by the topic of setting large goals for ourselves. You know, we want to get a lot accomplished, so we set high goals. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but when it comes to getting started on an actual task, a large goal can actually hamper you. Because there's something in your brain that just says, well, you know, this is too big and you're not going to be able to finish it or it's just too daunting of a task. And so when your brain plays that kind of game with you, you tend to procrastinate. You tend to put it off and then not get it done. And of course, that only leads to this kind of destructive circular you know, pattern of not getting things done, not getting started, and it can actually hurt your self-esteem because then you start beating yourself up that you never got started. So uh, one of the books that I read uh, actually talked about some research about micro habits, and it used the word micro tasks or micro habits. And this is the idea of breaking the task down, not just into manageable chunks, but actually breaking it down until it's so ridiculously small that your brain looks at it and says, ah, well, I can do that. I can do that. Here's an example. Uh, for example, if you wanted to increase the amount of push-ups that you can do, this is a very simple example, uh, and you want to, say, be able to get down on the floor and do 25 push-ups, a great place to start is just to set a micro goal of doing one push-up in a day. Just one single push-up. Now, for most people, that's like a ridiculous goal, right? It's so small that your mind says, this is crazy. I can get down and do one push-up. So then you execute on it. You actually do it. You get down on the floor and you do one push-up. And then you get up and you congratulate yourself. You make yourself feel good because you accomplished that micro goal. Now, there's, some, there's amazing benefits to this. Because the key that you and I want to achieve is not so much accomplishing a big goal all at once, but it's accomplishing a small goal so that we can gain the magic of momentum. Momentum is the key. And the more I think about momentum, the more I've been kind of at this, I realize that momentum is actually a state of mind. It's a state of mind that you want to achieve. Uh, when you get into momentum, your mind is just starts to flow and starts to go from one task to the next and then to the next. And before you know it, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, half an hour, an hour has gone by and you have gotten things accomplished. Why? Because you broke it down into such a ridiculously small micro goal and just got started on that and then be, you know benefited and 
congratulated yourself from finishing that ridiculously small goal that oftentimes what happens is you want to continue moving forward. You want to keep going. Now, sometimes you just finish your micro goal and then you congratulate yourself and you stop and go on to something else. But many times what you'll find when you do this simple exercise is that once you finish the small, tiny little goal, you'll want to move on and do another task and another task and you get yourself going. It's like the proverbial you know, snowball that you push down the hill or the rock that you push down the hill. Very, very difficult to get it started in the very beginning, but once it starts moving, it picks up steam, it picks up momentum and starts going all on its own faster and faster down the hill. So the key is, is to get yourself doing something so that you can gain momentum. And the best way to get yourself doing something is to actually break it down into a micro goal. Now, for me, here's a classic example of this. For me, you know, many times, you know, I've got to sit down on the computer and I've got to concentrate. I've got to focus and work on my business. And most of it is using my laptop. But so often I look at my laptop and I don't even want to go near it. Like I'd rather do anything else in the house than go to my laptop. So what do I have to do? I set a goal to simply turn the computer on, <laughs> right? Just to open up my laptop and get the windows up on my laptop or whatever kind of computer you're using. And that micro goal could be enough to help you to start on the process, to start down the road. And sometimes that's all it takes is just to start on a micro goal, taking a micro step, and then you may gain the momentum you need to accomplish what you need to do for that session. Okay, so I'm wondering what you think about this. Uh, breaking things down, not just into chunks of work, but into ridiculously small micro goals, and then starting on that one micro goal so that you can potentially gain the momentum you need to get work done. Anyways, that's what I'm practicing, and I hope that helps you. Uh, practice it yourself. Try it and see you know, how it works for you, because I am definitely interested. Uh, let me know. And if you have any other tips <laughs> on how to get yourself started when you don't feel like working, I definitely have my notebook open and I'm ready to take notes. So give me your feedback. And I'm looking forward to everyone's feedback on this topic because it's so important to me. All right, guys and gals, this is Dan Trito of The Dan Trito Show. And I can't wait to speak to you again on an upcoming episode. Uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope you make it a fantastic day. And I'll talk to you again real soon. Okay, take care, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye.